This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Jacob, does Lamar Jackson scare you? Does he keep you up at night? Do you have nightmares about him? In 2021, yes. In 2020, no. In 2019, no. That's interesting you say that because in 2021, he's having a great year, but it's not exactly the Lamar Jackson type of year, at least as far as getting the ball into the end zone is concerned. Would it well, surprise you to I... hear? Go ahead. No, I'm going first, all right, all son right. of a bitch. All right, all right. Would it surprise you to hear that he only has 17 total touchdowns on the year so far. 15 through the air and two on the ground. Yes, that means he's barely averaging a little over one per game. If that were his total to, at the end of the season. Right now, he's only played 12 games, 17. It's a little higher than one yeah, per but game it's, right it's, now. It's, but if it's, it's still not like two or three per game. Well, the one that's really surprising to me when I was looking up his stats was I, I saw 15 touchdowns and 12 interceptions in the air. 12 interceptions a little skewed because he threw few, four. four picks against the Browns last Sunday. But 15 and 12, I go, oh, you know what? Not really getting the job done through the air, but that's all right. He probably has, what, six or seven rushing touchdowns? Two rushing touchdowns for a guy who's ninth in the league in rushing yards total with over 700 yards rushing. A guy who averages 70 yards per game on the ground and a guy who is by far and away the Ravens' leading rusher, both with attempts rushing the football and actual yardage rushing the football, to only find the end zone two times. That's what's really a bit surprising for me. So although he's definitely been doing his Superman thing for this season and I'm not taking anything away from him or saying, hey, Steelers fans, you don't have to worry about this guy come next Sunday, that's a little low for the touchdown numbers as far as the uh, former MVP is concerned, at least in my mind. So I'll tell you why I gave you the answer that I gave you. 2019-2020, he was having much better years, right? Tw- was it 2019 he had his MVP season? Yes. Yes, because uh, Aaron Rodgers won last year. But he was still really good last year. Really, really good. The reason I'm not afraid of him, I was not afraid of him in those two years, and I am now, is because the defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers had in those two years compared to this year. Bingo. I don't really care what he's good doing answer. now versus then. It's what the Seagulls are able to do to stop him now versus then. And if there's been any indication the last three weeks, Detroit, LAC, and, wow, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You almost had it so beautifully. I did. There, There is every indication that he is going to run train over this defense. Over the past three games, the Steelers' defense have given up 722 rushing yards. Over um, the, how? They how? Have, they have allowed just 903 total yards from scrimmage over the past two games. So they're getting run all over. They've surrendered 82 points in the last two weeks of the season. When you've given up 722 yards on the ground over that course of uh, games, it's also it's it's got to be a very welcoming experience to open your gates and welcome in the number two rushing offense in the entire NFL into your building. A number two rushing offense who, by the way, averages 150 yards per game on the ground. Only the Philadelphia Eagles average more yards per game than the Baltimore Ravens. So. Perfect timing for a prolific rushing attack to come strolling through your doors right when your rush defense has been probably the worst it's ever been. I would say maybe in the history of Steelers football, this might be the worst rushing defense. It's 
bad. Don't think that's much hyperbole on my part. Maybe no, a, maybe know. a little hyperbole, but not much. It's definitely the, the 70s, worst I've ever seen. I mean, like you got to go way, way, way back to get to the worst of this team ever. Pre-70s, right? Pre Yeah, when they were the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Seagulls for a little time there during World War II. But yeah. Seagulls could stop the run. I don't really I can't really tell you much about the teams in the eighties. That's kind of like the dark spot. I just know that they weren't this bad. They couldn't be this bad. It's I don't just, think they were. This isn't about being outmanned and having not enough people. I mean, certainly you're gonna have a bad rushing defense when you don't have three or two of your, your top three starting defensive linemen available to you for the season. But and on top of that, Carlos Davis, who was a depth piece, is also out. So you're way down the depth chart there. Obviously, that's going to contribute. But giving up that amount of yardage on the ground week in and week out, that's just being soft. I mean, that's just letting guys blow you off the line, that get, is just get to the saying, second level. Hey, we're going to line up, but we're not going to stop you. We're not going to make any legitimate effort to contain you. We'll go out there to give you the appearance, but that's about it. Now, as far as the appearance that the Ravens are going to give you, on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, it's one of the most unorthodox offenses in the NFL. They use 11 personnel, which is one running back, one tight end. Very classic uh, personnel package in the NFL. They use that 38% of the time. League average for that package is 59%. So they're well below average there. 12 personnel, which is one running back, two tight ends, they use at an extremely low amount, just 4% of that, where league average is at 22%. What Baltimore does differently from the rest of the league is they don't operate out of 11. They don't operate out of 12. Hell, they don't even use 13 personnel as much as the other league. What they like to do is 21, 22, and 23 personnel. And what that, or 21 and 22 personnel. What that is, two running backs and a tight end, two running backs, two tight ends. They're out of 21 personnel 29% of the time. They use 22 personnel. 19% of the time, and they go two running backs with no tight ends, 20 personnel at 9% of the time. 9% might seem low, especially for that 20%, but when I tell you that league average using 20 personnel is 1%, league average using 21 is 3%, Ooh. and league average using 22 is 7%, Ooh. and the Ravens are in the 19s and the 20s and the basically 10s in all those categories, yeah, you're going to see looks from this offense that you will not see playing the rest of the 31 teams in the NFL. It's just as simple as that. It is a throwback kind of style, blends the blood of the old and the new school. I mean, you just don't see two running backs in the backfield as often as you do for the Baltimore Ravens. And even if it's not, you know, Murray and Freeman at the same time, they'll put in Picard, their fullback, who is a throwback in every sense of the word. The guy is like 300-plus pounds. And his sole job is to just clear a path for the running game. So you're certainly going to see some strange, you know, formations and some strange sure. personnel packages. But the good news is when you're a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers as opposed to, say, a team like the Arizona Cardinals, you see this twice a year. This isn't anything new. They've been using 20 and 21 and 22 personnel for years now. Tomlin's very familiar with that. So – where you might be a team in the NFC that doesn't see the Ravens once every three years, this might be kind of like a shock to the system all week watching film and trying to figure out how you're going to stop it and running against the scout team offense is going to be a little bit head-scratching. For the Steelers, it should be like old hat right now. They should know exactly what's going to happen. They should know exactly how they need to play to stop it. 
The biggest problem is, and it's been the problem for the Steelers for a while now, is the execution of that game plan. You don't have much faith that they'll be able to execute the game faith? plan. I always have a little weird faith flickering because Tomlin's a Hall of Fame coach. There's so much pride on that defense with guys like Cam Hayward. TJ Watt, of course, his status That's being up, up in the air with the COVID list I thing. I, I think he's completely ineligible to play. I thought that since he's vaccinated, if he if he cleared some negative tests, he could get there. But I I, I would bet days. my money that he's not playing no, in this game I don't on, expect on Sunday. To play. So it's so just yeah, it's just TJ Cam Watt out there and again. Cam, I'm feeling a lot better. But it's just Cam out there. And listen, this is something that needs to be addressed. They used Bud Dupree as kind of a Lamar Jackson stopper. And I don't mean like he spied him and stopped him every single time or he shut him down. What Bud Dupree's job was on their read option plays, you hit Lamar no matter what. Because when he makes that play fake, he's a runner. And you can tee off on him even after he lets the ball go. And they told Bud Dupree to hit number eight every single play and he did it really successfully because especially last year he was getting around tackles left and right I mean it was no contest for him he was one of the best edge rushers in football and he made Lamar's life miserable hey you you want to hand that ball off and let Gus Edwards run for it that's fine you're still going to get hit you know you're still going to have to feel like you were the one that took the ball and took a run for it so just constantly hitting him was such a big thing as far as the Steelers game plan is concerned and I'm not saying that they won't try to do this with Highsmith on on Sunday, but you have a lot less faith in Highsmith beating his tackle than you do Bud Dupree. Until I tell you that the tackle is Big Al of Villanueva that he's probably going to go up against, then maybe Highsmith has a pretty nice advantage there. But you still don't have as much faith as you would have had if Bud was there. No. I Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, I mean, they worked together a lot longer than T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith had up until this season and that that relationship was able or, or allowed them to have that pressure put on Lamar Jackson for those two years in 2019 and 2020 now with no TJ and it's just Alex Highsmith and whoever else you want to throw out there I don't see I don't see the pressure being created like it was these last two years and that and and that answers your original question because of that I, I just don't see Lamar Jackson being threatened by this defense at all speaking of pressure the Ravens yield 3.3 sacks per game that is only second to the Bears as far as the most sacks allowed for an NFL team this year so the Steelers really need to be able to get after Lamar and really need to be able to put him in the dirt for some big plays for loss but I think part of that is, A, the Ravens' offensive line who's missing Ronnie Stanley and had to play guys in bigger roles like like Big Al, who I don't think they wanted to be at their left tackle spot, but they were just forced to put him there. That's a part of it, but another part of it is Lamar Jackson's just playing style. It's kind of conducive to sacks. He holds onto the ball for 2.94 seconds in the pocket. That's right up there towards the top of the league. For comparison's sake, Ben, who's closer to the bottom of the league, holds onto the ball for about 2.3 seconds, 2.2 seconds. So it's almost a full second longer than Ben Ron. I mean, that's a long time, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And that leads to not only sacks, but turnovers. That's a long time to be holding onto the ball in the pocket. It leads to sack, it leads to turnovers, but 
if I was a coach, I would not coach that out of him because what else does it lead to? It leads to a lot of improvisation run. and a lot of big plays that are made out of nowhere. And that's where Lamar really has his Something bread and butter. Something only Lamar can really do. It's his bread and butter. Is, and Someone described the Ravens as they just have Lamar run around back there until someone gets open and then he hits them. And that's a really simplistic way to say it. But it's not wrong. I mean, watch that game against the Browns. It's not a bad way to, to go about it if you have Lamar. He's also not running around back there like a chicken with his head cut off. His, he's not running around like it's backyard football. His it's movement. Pablo Sanchez just running. It is kind of like to, back. Running around just to avoid defenders and then eventually just running 90 yards to the house. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes it is kind of like backyard football. But it's something that I'd be comfortable with him doing if he was on my team because he can do it. I mean, the big play for the Ravens in a game that Lamar was really not that great in but still looked like the best player on the field after the game was over somehow. The Mark Andrews touchdown pass where he just bought himself Jeez. time after time what after time in the pocket. The, 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 the escapability of Lamar or the catch by Mark Andrews? The catch was great, but the escapability and not only the ability to escape but to keep his eyes downfield while he's escaping right. and see Andrews get open and that fire a dart. Down. Right, it's not like he was ten or twenty yards. No, it's like a thirty-yard was... touchdown pass, and that's the thing that Lamar brings to the table that's so unique is that he can thrive in that chaos, and not only can he get away from that chaos and kind of have a, a avoid a negative play, he can turn chaos in a for sure negative play into six points for his team, and that's why he's just super dangerous. And Andrews and Hollywood Brown to that extent, do a really good job of improvising their routes. And not they kind of know what they're, what they're being thrown to. Exactly. They know, especially I think Hollywood Brown is, is, is really good in this aspect, is that when he looks back, he runs his normal route, and he looks back and sees Lamar doing his scramble thing, he's totally freestyling. Right. And, I mean, his cousin did a lot of that too here in Pittsburgh to not a lot much. of, to a lot of success, but he was able to improvise a lot. And I think Hollywood Brown has that part of his game really honed in well, too. And it, it, He's lured that if he wants to be a recognizable name, he's got to get open for his quarterback. After he already ran his right, route. Right, of course. And I think he's the type of receiver that might drive a quarterback like Mac Jones or Tom Brady or you know those kind of guys crazy because he's not, he's not where he's supposed to be. Sure. But he's a perfect marriage for Lamar Jackson. But he wouldn't be doing that if those were if those guys were his quarterback. Perhaps he'd just not. be running the route. He's a perfect marriage for Lamar Jackson. And the though. ball would be there, whether or not, the ball would either be there for him on that route or it would go somewhere else. He is their leading receiver this year. He's got over seven hundred yards. He's got seven seventy to be exact. That's about nine yards more than Mark Andrews. He's got six touchdowns to Mark Andrews, five touchdowns. He's got about three more targets than Mark Andrews does. And he's got the same amount of receptions as Andrews. They both have 60 catches on the season. It's 1A, it's 1B, and then it's a big gap, and then it's Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, and Devin DuVernay. I mean, it's it's these t in the passing game, it's, it's Andrews and Brown that you really have to worry about. Can Watkins make a play every once in a while? Sure. Yeah, he's a veteran. Is Bateman trying to you know find his way into this league? He's a rookie, so I'm not going to write him off yet. It's a first-round pick, though. Yeah, and I think they really hope he can step up and become that second guy, that number two guy to, to Brown. Even though Brown's not really a typical number one, he just is for what this offense is right now. And DuVernay has a couple touchdown catches on the year, so you, you got to keep tabs on him, of course. But those three are really just guys. Bateman, of course, has the ability to step up and become more than that, as he is just a rookie, but... It's all Andrews and Brown. 
that oh, you yeah. really have to worry about. If I mean, it's serious. kind of like a Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill light version. That's a beautiful way to put it. Because Brown's definitely got some some hill in his game with the He's speed. He's got the speed and the escapability and, and just wildly, wildly run routes. Doesn't have the hands like Tyreek Hill does yet. Yet. He could yeah, still develop yeah, into that. And he's uh, he got a lot of criticism early this season for dropping some deep balls from Lamar. But ever since then, he's made up for it by catching almost every one I've seen. Yeah, and let's not, let's not paint Tyreek Hill to be the prototypical wide receiver that's great at everything. His hands aren't his greatest asset. It's his speed. And that's what Brown has his greatest asset as too is his speed and once you get open though you have to make those catches that's the that's the thing that separates you from Tyreek Hill and another thing that he does so well that fits with this Ravens offense is their their run kind of style and their packaging that is more conducive to their run they need a guy to be able to take the top off the defense so that they can keep the defense honest and make sure that they're not just all crowding the box and you can't do that against the Ravens because if you go press man coverage one-on-one on Hollywood Brown, there's not a corner in this league that's going to be able to stay with him. And it's just a matter of Lamar hitting the ball in the right spot and Brown catching the ball because it ain't a matter of you staying with him stride for stride in coverage. Like, I honestly think that when Lamar you know, does this pre-snap motion, figures out that they're not in zone, they're doing man, and it's press man, and it looks like that safety's going to go cheat over to the other side of the field and Hollywood's a single coverage – I think Lamar before he snaps the ball knows he's open. It's just a matter sure. of it's just a matter of time of executing the play. Absolutely. And that's you know, I made that comparison to Kansas City. That's why they're so successful. It's because Pat Mahomes could trust Mark Andrews, trust Tyreek Hill during Travis his Kelsey. time. Sorry, I said Mark Andrews. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill to get open. They know his game. They at this point, that relationship between Mahomes and his receivers is completely symbiotic. He knows what he has to do. He knows he has to buy himself enough time for them to get open, and they know there's a certain window, there's a certain second amount of counts or counting of seconds that they have before they can make their break to get wide open, and that's why that office is so successful. I think Mark Andrews is is great at that already. Mark Andrews is a top-five tight end in this league. I don't think anyone could ever tell you otherwise. Give Marquise Brown a little bit more time to work with Lamar Jackson, and he could be up there. He could be. We could be saying it in maybe a year or two, in terms of deep threat, fast receivers. It's Tyreek Hill one, Marquise Brown two. As far as uh, average yards per route run is concerned, Mark Andrews is at one point nine nine. Only Rob Gronkowski and Johnny Smith are the only two tight ends wow. that average more yards per route. Johnny Smith Andrews. shocks me a little bit. Gronk does not. No, but Johnny Smith for sure. One thing that Andrews does that's kind of more Kelsey-ish than Gronk Kittle-ish is he can stay healthy. I mean, Andrews never misses a game. Same, Really, the same thing can be said about Kelsey. Like, Kelsey is almost always there every Sunday for the Chiefs, whereas, you know, the Kittles and the Gronks, who are also in that echelon, they, always, they miss every once in a while. Always. But you can always rely on 89 for the Ravens to be out there, and I think that's why he's really rounded himself into, uh, again, it's 1A, 1B, but one of the favorite targets for Lamar because it's yeah, Brown and it's Andrews. I don't Andrews. think there is a standout. Between the two of them, between Brown and Andrews. No, but those those two stand out compared to oh, everybody yeah, else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When you look at the Ravens' rushing attack, Oof. now this is one that was supposed to be the most prolific in the NFL this season and has been for the past couple of years. 
we mentioned that they run with two running backs all the time. Well, those two running backs were supposed to be J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. J.K. Dobbins was poised to have almost, I'd say, a Jonathan Taylor-esque type of season where he was supposed to really jump on the map after his rookie year and be like, I'm one of the top backs in the NFL. He goes down with an ACL injury yeah, not his fault. early. No, not his fault. Uh, and then they turn things over to Gus Edwards. And you know what? The Gus bus has been a really solid running back. Ask the Pittsburgh Steelers about the Gus bus. He can do it. Like, he could have been the starter and the feature guy for them all year, and I think he would have been fine. He goes down with an ACL injury, so now you're just left with Tyson Williams. They decide to go out into the free agent market. They bring in guys like Latavius Murray. They bring in Devontae Freeman. They brought in Le'Veon Bell, who scored two touchdowns for them, but that experiment didn't last. He's already gone. It's Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray now, and mainly it's Devontae Freeman. He got more of the workload uh, last week for the Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. He's averaging a little over four yards per carry. So those two are the two. Tyson Williams has kind of faded back into that number three role again. But the number one guy is kind of starting to become Devontae Freeman. You're starting to see that clarity. But really, the number one guy is Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's oh, he's the one that's carried. the. He leads the team in rushes. He leads the team in rushing yardage. He's tied for the team lead in, in rushing touchdowns, I believe. Like, he is the straw that's keeping this – that's stirring this rushing offense's drink and keeping them afloat. I mean – they would be nowhere without him running the football. Without and, question. And it's honestly a little scary to wonder what they would look like if they had Dobbins and Edwards at their disposal because would I think – Lamar Jackson have more than two touchdown runs of the year? Probably. If they had those guys and run a lot of fakes and stuff like that. And I don't know if he would have had the most carries as a Ravens player either if they had Dobbins. I, it's funny to think that, you know – No, it'd be Dobbins. A team that has all this 20 personnel packaging and two running backs out there, you'd think, and they average 150 yards per game on the ground, you'd sit here and go, oh, they got to be a run, 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 run some more, run, run, think about passing, but run, 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 pass, run, 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 kind of offense. But seven more teams run the ball more often than the Ravens do this year in the NFL. So they're not it's even, a lot more they're than not at typical. the top of the league as far as they're always going to run the football. And I think part of that, you know, feeling the need to pass the ball more than they had in years past is because of those injuries to those running Absolutely. backs. Absolutely. It has to be. You had, J- I mean, as you said, J.K. Dobbins and Jonathan Taylor were the two guys you saw coming out of that rookie class that you said, these are going to be guys that people talk about for the next five, six years. And I didn't say 10 because it's a shorter shelf life for running backs. Jonathan Taylor right now is looking like possible MVP. Certainly an offense. I keep going with the rookie, Tom. I don't know why I say that. Certainly He's offensive player of the, the year. And the conversation of the offensive player of the year. But I think that there was no indication last year to say that J.K. Dobbins would have inserted himself into both of those conversations this year. His, I mean, there was no drop-off whatsoever. He just had a really bad injury. Now, coming back in 2022, is there a possibility that injury hinders him moving forward? Absolutely. That is not something easy to come back from, especially if you're a guy who uses your legs as much as a running back does. But without question, if J.K. Dobbins never suffered that season-ending injury, and even so, even if he did, if Gus Edwards was available, the Ravens' offense, the rushing attack is a lot more prolific, or at least closer to, to the level it was in 2020 and 2019 than it is in 2021. 
looking at the defense quickly before we wrap this episode up, they aren't uh, without their fair share of injury problems as well. Mainly Marcus Peters goes down at the beginning of the season with an ACL injury. Something was going around in the water in Ravens training camp this year. But what's really funny about their defense is it's certainly not the typical Ravens, smash mouth, great defense kind of like the same thing you could say for the Steelers this year. It's not the typical MO for what this team brings to the table defensively. They have only given up 23 points total in their past two games. So they might start to be figuring some things out there and they still have some dudes out there on the defense. So I don't think it's far fetched to say that they can have some market improvement, but what's so bizarre is they are dead last against the pass. They give up 275 yards per game through the air. 32nd out of 32 teams in the NFL. I'm sure Marcus Peters hurts them in that category. But they're the second best rush defense in the NFL. They only allow 84 yards per game on the ground. The Buccaneers are the only team that's better than they are at stopping the run. Yeah, Jacob's raising his hand. Go ahead. How many yards per game do the Bengals allow in the year? Entering the week against the Steelers. It was not much more. It was about 93 yeah, yards per game. Right around that bank. <laughs> their average went down. Let's just say that. Let's just say they got better. Yeah, their and average the Ravens, went down. The Ravens' rush defense is better than the Bengals. And they were just playing off against Chubb and Hunt. So they, they had a chance for those numbers to get inflated, and they didn't. So the Steelers don't pass the ball well on offense and the only thing that they can do with some competence is rush the football so it's a great time to be playing the worst pass defense and one of the best rush defenses in football this week great time. yeah except the fact that to me that just means the Steelers are going to shy away even more so from Najee Harris which is ridiculous to think they could do it even more than they have in the past two or three weeks as far as the pass rush is concerned for the Baltimore Ravens, it's really only three guys at all that make up for it, and it's that edge rushers of Tyus Bowser, Odefe Away, and Justin Houston. Away, people around these parts remember from Penn State. He is a rookie this year for Baltimore, and he's been really impressive as a rookie so far this year. But uh, Tyus Bowser leads the way with five and a half sacks. Away has five sacks. Justin Houston has four sacks. So the Ravens have 25 sacks total. Between those three edge rushers, that makes up about 15 of them. So that's, those are the three guys that are going to be getting after the quarterback on Sunday. It's a safe bet. And always one you really got to keep an eye out for. And Tyus, Tyus Bowser as well. You know, Williamson and I did our advanced scout podcast last night, and he was totally about, you know, saying um, Oway, you know, is great, and Justin Houston's got the pedigree. But Tyus Bowser was a guy that, you know, last year they, they got rid of Judon. You know, they got rid of Ngakwe. They let a lot of guys walk. But one guy they didn't let walk that was kind of under the radar was Tyus Bowser. And he's been playing really well this year. Like I said, leads the team in sacks with five and a half. I mean, this is a, a pretty much balanced pass rush attack, right? For the most part. Would you yes. agree? Yes. So why does that spell trouble for the Steelers? Because... There isn't one guy to pay attention to where you could say, well, I know my best offensive lineman can line up here, and I can swing them over if if that guy typically comes from the opposite direction. There is no one guy to plan for here. Every offensive lineman is going to have trouble against this Ravens pass rush, which means that Ben Roethlisberger could have another really bad day. He could. Um, 
He certainly could, especially since the Steelers are probably not going to be able to stop the run no. very well. At least the track record for the past couple weeks no. have shown that. I know we barely touched on the Ravens' defense there, but I promise you got some more episodes coming this week where we'll really dive into things as far as Baltimore is concerned. But that's going to do it for this episode. For Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman. As always, appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you next time.